We've been in the series of the next chapter. So I want to take another step here, and I want to talk about something that I believe touches us all as we move through life. I want to give you a definition first of a word called intimidate. Intimidate. Can you say that back to me? Intimidate. And let me tell you the definition. It's to make timid or fearful. To make timid or fearful. I want to stop for just a second and say I know people that are more than capable, more than able, and they could do the job, but because of other people around them bringing about that spirit of intimidation, they couldn't get the job done because they wanted to measure up to what that person wanted, although they had the ability to do it. It's called the spirit of intimidation. So it's to make timid or fearful, to frighten, to compel or deter by threats. To frighten or threaten someone, usually in order, watch this, usually in order to persuade them to do something that you want them to do. So you intimidate them into doing exactly what you desire and what you want. Now, when I was young, and I'm not that old now, but when I was young, a little boy, my daddy moved around a lot. He was in the ministry and he moved quite often. So much that I, when I'd go into a new school, Pastor Kenny, I never fit in. I didn't look like the other kids. I didn't act like the other kids. I was the son of a Pentecostal preacher, and I, I had dark skin and, and a, almost a mustache as a little boy. So I never really fit in with my class. None of my classmates liked me. And then there was groups of them that wanted to intimidate me. So I walked in fear and dread. I walked in fear and dread for what? Because they were intimidating me. There was always those bullies that made my life miserable. It's not that any one of them were a problem, but they all came together because I was the new kid on the block. So school for me was not a joy. How many people can recognize that and and identify with that? School for me was not a joy, but a torture. Why? Because of intimidation. But then I came to the realization, as I thought on my life and thought on my youth, there will always be someone or something that will try to cause you to walk in fear, to walk in dread. And here's the important part. They will try through intimidation and the spirit of intimidation to destroy your confidence. And once you lose your confidence, you've lost everything. Then also there's those people that are not trying to intimidate, but they do it naturally. What do you mean? By reason of their message. It could be your doctor. He's not trying to intimidate you, but he comes out and says, as I was with a friend of mine, you've got, you've got cancer in your prostate, or you've got breast cancer, or you've got high blood pressure, or you've got diabetes, uh, or a lawyer comes out and says there's been some lawsuits levied against you. So just by means of their message, you go through great distress, and it intimidates you. But I've got news for you today. There's a way out of intimidation into confidence. See, the spirit of intimidation wants to destroy your confidence, but I believe there is a way to walk from that spirit into confidence. I want to take you to something that I believe is important. In 1 Samuel, the 17th chapter, in verse 4, this is, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Then Goliath, the great giant, a Philistine, a champion from Goth, came out of the Philistine ranks to face the forces of Israel. One man facing the forces of Israel. 
He was over nine feet tall. Well, let me just tell you, a nine-foot-tall warrior, it might just cause me a little stress. It might be just a little bit intimidating. And it goes on to say he wore a bronze helmet. Was anybody picked up bronze lately? It's heavy. And his bronze coat of mail, just his coat of mail, Pastor Mike, weighed 125 pounds. Think about seeing somebody like this, that intimidating spirit wearing all that heavy armor, 125 pounds. He also wore bronze leg armor, and he carried a bronze javelin on his shoulder. The shaft of his spear was as heavy and thick as a weaver's beam. And they say that that beam could have been as long as 12 feet. Think about that. The shaft of the spear was as heavy and thick as a weaver's beam. Tipped with an iron spearhead that weighed over 16 pounds. His armor bearer walked ahead of him carrying his shield. I imagine that was quite a load just carrying the shield. But here's what Goliath did. He walked out and shouted and taunted across to the Israelites. They're in the valley. He said, why are you coming? What are you coming out here to fight for? He called. I'm the Philistine champion. I am a champion. I am a proven warrior. But you're only the servants of Saul. You're only the servants of Saul. He said, choose one man to come down here and fight me. Come on, fight me. If he kills me, then we will be your slaves. But if I kill him, you will be our slaves. Now watch this. He says, I defy one man, even though he's a giant, I defy the armies of Israel today. I defy the armies of God today. I'm going to intimidate the children of God. So send me a man who will fight me. When Saul and the Israelites heard this, this is the whole army, <clears throat> they were terrified. They were terrified and deeply shaken. Look at this intimidating spirit. Look at this intimidating man. And the Bible says in 1 Samuel 17, 16, he did this for 40 days. Not just one day, not just two, not a week or two. For 40 days he came out, morning and evening, and the Philistine champions shouted in front of the Israelite army. But now, now, there's this little man, this little young man named David, and he takes a stand. He takes a stand against this intimidating spirit. So in 1 Samuel 17, 32, he, here's what David said to Saul and some of his leaders. Don't worry about this Philistine. Now, this is a young guy. Don't worry about this giant, this big mouth, terrifying spirit, this spirit that's trying to intimidate us. Well, look what he said. Don't worry about this Philistine. David told Saul, I'll go fight him. I'll go fight him. He starts to make a decision. He makes a decision based on some things that I'm going to mention in just a moment. In life, in your life, there will always be those things that will come up against you. And there will be giants. It may not be a giant to me, but it could be a giant to you. And those things that are giant to me may not be a giant to you. But we all face these giants. Intimidating spirits. So there will always be those things that will come up against us. And try to intimidate and render you powerless. Do you realize once you're intimidated, you, you're powerless? Because you're moving under the spirit of intimidation. You don't know what to do. You don't know if you're right or wrong, if you have the ability. 
But we will encounter, say I will, and it's going to happen. We will encounter Goliaths all through our lives. It may be a job that's your Goliath. It may be a relationship that's your Goliath. It may be a court case and so on and so forth. But they are Goliaths in our life. And we may not be able to stop these giants from showing themselves. Are you hearing me? We may not be able to stop them. But I want you to hear this. But with God's help, say that back to me, but with God's help, we can deal with each and every one of them. God will give us the ability. He'll give us the wisdom. He'll give us the understanding to be able to face that giant and not only face him, but defeat him. Oh, God. Goliath, I want you to think about this for a moment. <clears throat> as many times as I minister to this, there's always something new. Goliath paralyzed a whole army with the spirit of intimidation. Now follow this. Not one spear had been thrown. Not one sword had been thrust in battle. Yet through his words and his appearance, through his words and his appearance, he intimidated and stopped the armies of God. But he didn't stop David. How did David deal? Let's just look at it for a moment. How did David de deal with this big mouth giant? How did he do it? How did David turn? This is the key to this message. How did David, I love this. How did David turn intimidation into confidence? Because he certainly turned it, that intimidating spirit into a spirit of confidence. And so the Lord just showed me a few things. not going to take a long time, but I want you to see this. Number one, how did he do it? David recognized there was a cause that was far greater than himself. There was a cause far greater than his fear. Is there not a cause, he said. Yes, there is a cause. And in life, we have to realize if it's important, and it's important to you, then that's the cause. And no matter what other people are saying, no matter what other people are doing, you still face that intimidating spirit because you know that it is the right thing to do. It is the right thing for you to carry through with and get it accomplished. So David recognized there was a cause. So that's the first thing you need to do. Is there a cause? If there's not a cause, then back away and leave it alone. You see, this is important. Write this down. Fear tactics. Fear tactics. And we've all used those before in different levels. I've used it in sports. Try to cause the opponent to fear, fear what we can do. Fear tactics only work on those that allow it. You have to allow it for it to work, Pastor Mike, Pastor Ariel. You have to absolutely say, I'll allow this thing to trouble me. <clears throat> I'll allow this thing to knock me off my spiritual pedestal. And I say, don't do that because fear can only work on those that allow it. And sometimes it's not only the roar, the roar of the opposition that tries to throw you off base, but this is important. Not only the roar of the opposition that tries to throw you off base, but the voice of those closest to you. They're not your opponent, but the voice of these people helps substantiate the intimidating spirit. How? Let's look at how Saul responded to David's courageous statement. We just mentioned, David said, I'll go fight. Don't worry about it. Oh, king, I can deal with this big mouth Philistine. Look at this. Watch the spirit of intimidation working. 
1 Samuel 17, 33. Saul says, don't be ridiculous. Have you ever said that somebody said that to you before? You can't do that. Don't be ridiculous. When I built this church, along with a group of people back many years ago, they said, don't be ridiculous. You can't build it. Who do you think you are? You'll never achieve it. Some of the men sitting here heard them say it. You'll never achieve it. You'll never, you'll never build a church there. Who do you think? Who's backing you up? Well, I always knew that God would back me up. Just like Saul, they were saying, who do you think you are? Don't be ridiculous. Don't be ridiculous. Saul replied, there's no way you can fight this Philistine. Think about that, Pastor Ariel. He said, there's no way. Now, he's a man of war. He understands war. He's a king. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy. Hey, that intimidating spirit will try to tell you who you are and what you're all about and what you can accomplish. And I say to hell with that. You cannot allow that to bother you. You cannot allow that to set your stature. You cannot allow that to set your understanding of what you're going to do. You can allow that voice. Watch what he said. There's no way you can fight this Philistine. Why? Because Saul didn't see the spirit. Saul was thinking in the carnal. No way you can possibly win. You're only a boy, and he's been a man of war since his youth. David, how do you think you can do this? Now, the important question is, how did David handle this situation? This is another point. David called on his past experiences with God to garner his strength. He didn't listen to Saul. <clears throat> he started a testimony service. You don't think te testifying is important? I believe testimonial service is important even if you have to do it by yourself in your bathroom, in your living room, in your prayer room. You start testifying of the good works that God has done for you. And something happens as you testify of his goodness. You start to garner strength. And that's what David did. He started to call on his past experiences with God to garner his strength. 1 Samuel 17, 34. But David persisted. I know who I am. I've been taking care of my father's sheep and the goats, he said. And when a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it. He's testifying. I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. My goodness. Can you imagine Saul listening to this? He said, I've done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine, this uncircumcised Philistine. I'll do it to him also, for he has defied the armies of the living God. Who does he think he is? He may have an intimidating spirit, but man, I serve a God that can answer that intimidating spirit. Then he says, this is when he really testifies. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from the Philistine. He's testifying. Something I'd never seen before and realized he was actually testifying of the goodness of God. You know what? I think we need to learn that, Pastor Ariel. We need to learn that when things are going bad, let's go back in time. But look what God did for us back then. Look what God did for us when we were sick and we had no strength. Look when we were in financial duress. Look what God did for us then. Look when our families were struggling. Look what God did for us then. You keep talking about it and you start to build your strength and the Spirit of God starts to work in you. He said, he shall rescue me, God shall rescue me from this Philistine. Saul finally, 
after all that, after the testimony service, Saul finally consented. He said, all right, go ahead, he said, and may the Lord be with you. But, next point, how did David do it? David only used what was tried and comfortable to himself. The Bible says in 1 Samuel 17, 38, then Saul gave David his armor. Now look, it, he's given him something as I, I teach against this. Never use what you've not tried. Never use what doesn't fit you. Because what works for Alan Meshagan may not work for Ariel Meshagan. What works for Kenny Williams may not work for Pastor Mike. We have got to look at this very carefully today as we look at these spirits of intimidation because they kind of know where you're coming from. If you're going to walk in confidence, you've got to defeat it as David did. Saul gave him his armor, a bronze helmet, and a coat of mail. Can you imagine this young man with his heavy armor on? David put it on, strapped the sword over it, took a step or two to see what it was like, for he had never worn such things like this. I can't go in these. Sometimes you just got to realize it's not going to work for me. It's just not going to work for me. What are you trying to do today, friend, that it's not working for you because you're, you're following some, others, some other person's tactics? You're following somebody else's testimony. Let me tell you something. If you don't have a testimony, it just hit me in the spirit. You better get you a testimony. You better get it, hold on to it, and I don't care how many times you got to say it. People may get tired of hearing it, but say it over and over and over and over again because it does something internally. I just, today I realized that. David said, I can't go out with these. He protested to Saul. I'm not used to them. Notice what he said. I'm not used to them. So David took them off again. What did David use? He used what he had tried and tested. What was it? Was it a mighty sword, a, a mighty uh, a spear? It was a slingshot. He used a sling. He used those things that he was comfortable with. Next point. How did David move from the intimidating spirit into confidence? David, this is good. Through the testimony service that he had, David saw his victory before he took the first step on the battlefield. He saw himself destroying, defeating Goliath before he ever stepped out of Saul's tent. What do you mean? <clears throat> now follow this. If you cannot see your victory, you will never walk in success. You've got to see it. You've got to believe in it. You've got to hold on to it. Even if everybody's talking against you, you have to believe in the power to overcome that intimidating spirit. And let me tell you, there are people around about you who don't even realize they're being used by these spirits to try to throw you off base. So remember what I just said. Until you see your victory, you'll never walk in the spirit of victory. So how was David so confident in the face of intimidation? Why? Because David knew this. Nothing is so great. Write this one down. This is good for you. Nothing is so great that the Spirit can't level the playing ground, the playing field. Think on it. Believe it and live it. That's what David did. He thought on it. He believed it. And he lived it. Over and over. He thought on it. He believed it. And he lived it. What did he do? Nothing is too great that the Spirit can't level the playing field or the battlefield. 
The Bible says in 2 Timothy 1.7, For God, my God, your God, for my God has not given us a spirit of, a, a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power and love and of self-discipline. And another version, it says it this way. I like this version. 2 Timothy, it says, For God did not give us a spirit of timidity or cowardice or fear, but he has given us a spirit of power and of love and of a sound judgment and personal discipline, abilities that result, abilities that result in a calm, well-balanced mind and self-control. That's the way David did it. He had that spirit. How did he overcome? How did he walk from this into confidence? As I have found out, David already knew. I found out, I found out that the covenant I have in God through Christ Jesus is far greater than any force levied against me. Do I need to say that again? Because some of you are going through some difficult times. I found out that the covenant, the contract I have with God, the blood contract, I have with God through Jesus Christ is far greater than any force levied against me. Intimidation will lose its sting when faced with the covenant. The covenant pales the cheeks of the intimidating spirits. It can't handle because we're in a contract with the Almighty God. You need to hear me clearly today because I've gone through these things in my life. You may intimidate me, but you'll never intimidate the Christ in me. God help me. You may intimidate me, but you'll never intimidate the Christ in me. So I say this, you have a choice in life. You do. Whether or not you will allow or disallow intimidation. It's your choice. Whatever you choose, you're going to live in. Whatever you choose, you're going to walk in. You make that choice. I say it's time to believe in the Christ in you. Believe in Jesus in you and turn intimidation into confidence. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. God is on my side. I am in agreement with God through Christ Jesus and all things will work out according to my good. See, that's the way I believe it. Well, preacher, you don't understand. <clears throat> I don't even believe in God. Well, you're in a bad shape. But let me just say this. Even if you don't believe in God, you'd better believe in yourself. This is your free part. You'd better believe in yourself. Because if you don't believe in yourself, no one else will believe in you either. And then the giant will continue to roar. You need the Lord in your life. You need Jesus in your life. You need to walk in that covenant so that you can walk from intimidation into confidence. God bless you. I thank you so much for being with me today. I thank you for listening. And I believe a lot of us in this Christmas season, in this time of the year, we go through intimidating things, intimidating spirits. How am I going to make it? How are we going to do it? How are we going to overcome? You know, is God going to help me? Is God going to let me leave me dry, high and dry? What's God going to do? I mean, I've got friends and family that are against me. I want to say this. If God be for you, who can be against you? Let the giants roar. Let them sling out their words of intimidation. But God has, a chance. God has also the final word in all, all these discussions, all these statements. See, Goliath made a statement, but God had the final statement. Let's stop the roar 
of the giant that's trying to defeat you today. I want to pray with you. And I want to thank God that he has the ability to help you right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you, Lord, for helping me when I go out and when I come in. And for touching the lives and the hearts of the people that are sitting here listening to me today. Because you know, Lord, that I love them. And I respect them. And I respect their time. And Lord, I wanted to say something today that was applicable to them. Which is, there are so many intimidating things out there right now. So many things. But God, I know that you're more than able. So Lord, I ask you to meet them at the point of their need. And stop the roar of the giant in their life. Let him look at the points that, Lord, that I mentioned about David. David got a testimony. And he worked that testimony. And he believed in the God that he followed. That he served. That helped him in many conflicts. So God, today, I pray for all those that listen that you'll touch them and anoint them. Father, I thank you. In Jesus' name, it is well. We stop the roar now in someone's life. And they all would say, Amen.